What's up, everybody? My name is Andrew, and welcome to the Bundesliga. This is episode two. If you've not heard episode one yet, I encourage you to go listen to it. I introduce who I am, some of my background, what this podcast is about, and what to expect from this show. So on episode two, we're going to be talking about the 2017-2018 Bundesliga season and all the exciting things that happened that year. Some of the things we'll talk about are the league table and the results of where everyone finished. We're going to talk about the interesting and unique coaching situations that went down this uh, past season. Uh, We're going to talk about VAR, since last year was the first year that VAR was implemented in the Bundesliga. And then lastly, I'm just going to end the show with some very exciting uh, moments and interesting uh, tidbits of history of last year's season. So, here we go. In the league table, Bayern finished first place for the sixth consecutive season with five games to spare with a victory over Augsburg. Now, this is everyone's main complaint about the Bundesliga is that it's a one-horse race and Bayern wins every year and it's not exciting to watch, but that can be further from the truth. Bayern did win for the sixth consecutive season, so you guys do have that argument to make, but then again, so did Juventus in Serie A. They also won for a sixth consecutive time last year, and I'm sure PSG has won a bunch of consecutive league titles in France as well. So it doesn't only happen in Germany, and that doesn't also eliminate the fact that the league is exciting and fun to watch and full of passion, energy, and excitement. So second place finish was Schalke, and then third place was Hoffenheim. Interesting thing there is that Schalke was coached by a 33-year-old Domenico Tedesco, and Hoffenheim was coached by a 30-year-old Julian Nagelsmann. Out of the top three teams, two of the coaches were pretty young and inexperienced. For them to be able to coach at the highest level of German soccer and get results and get good results is really impressive. So hats off to them, hats off to the teams. Congratulations on uh, on finishing second and third and making the Champions League. If we uh, change focus, look at the bottom of the table, we will see that Cologne was relegated and Hamburg was relegated. I'll talk more in depth about that later on, but those are the two teams that were relegated. And then in Germany, the way the promotion relegation system works between first tier and second tier is that in the first tier, the team that's third from the bottom is in what's called a relegation playoff seat. And then in the second tier, the team that's third from the top is in the relegation playoff seat, or in a promotion playoff seat. So what you have is the team in the relegation playoff seat in the Bundesliga play against the team in the promotion playoff seat in the Bundesliga 2. They play two legs, one at home, one away, and then the aggregate score winner of those games either gets promoted or relegated, and that's how that's decided. So last year, Wolfsburg, for the second season in a row, finished in the relegation playoff seat, and for the second season in a row, they won both legs, or they won the aggregate score, and were able to keep their spot in the Bundesliga. I really gotta say, Wolfsburg, you guys aren't looking good right now. Less than 10 years ago, you were competing for the Bundesliga title, finishing second. I do believe in the last 10 years, you guys actually won the title one time. So to go from a team that's competing for and winning the Bundesliga to a team that's in the relegation playoff spot doesn't really look good. So Wolfsburg has not been looking good these last few years, and they, they really got to step the game up if they want to return glory to their name and kind of get involved in more serious competition in Europe. So that's where 
the top and the bottom of the league was. Now, if we look at the middle of the table, we'll see that Borussia Dortmund finished in fourth, and I believe RB Leipzig finished in fifth. So for RB Leipzig to be a team that's only been in the Bundesliga, I believe, two seasons, for them to, you know, make Champions League last year finishing second place, and for them to make Europa League this year is pretty impressive for a newcomer, brand new team to the Bundesliga, so hats off to them. Dortmund had a whirlwind of a season this year. They had a really, really slow start under Peter Bosch, and kind of around the Christmas break, December break, uh, we're not looking too hot. I believe they were eighth or ninth in the table, and they really needed to step the game up if they wanted to, you know, challenge Bayern for the for the title, or if they wanted to even get a European spot at that point. So here's where we get to some very interesting coaching scenarios, like I mentioned before. Around the Christmas break in uh, December, we had a couple teams that were struggling. Bruce Dortmund was one of them. Cologne was another. Cologne actually had a coach named Peter Stoger. He helped them come up from the Bundesliga 2 into the Bundesliga 1. He really uh, helped that team over the past three or four years and shaped their identity and was loved by the fans, loved by the players, and really kind of took that team from uh, a struggling team to a team that was competing in the Bundesliga, got them promoted, and you know gave them a game plan and an identity as a team. This year, he just wasn't doing well with them. Like I said, around Christmas, they were pretty much last in the league. So eventually they gave him the boot. They fired him after a loss they had sometime in December. A few days later, Borussia Dortmund was kind of experiencing the same thing, although not to the same degree. They were only mid-tier in the table, around eighth or ninth place. And they give the boot to their coach, Peter Bosch, because they were not playing what anyone could call you know, Dortmund football or, or nice attacking football that they were known for. So they gave their uh, coach, Peter Bosch, the boot and ended up hiring Peter Stoger from Cologne a few days later. So he was given a contract pretty much to the end of the season, and his one job was get us in the Champions League. That was essentially why they hired him, was get us to the Champions League. This season's kind of a bust already. If we get to the Champions League, that'll pretty much be considered a success for us. And somehow he was actually able to pull it off. He got them to the Champions League, and that was impressive on his part. At the end of the season, they uh, got rid of him, but he did his role. So, you know, if you're a Dortmund fan, tell me how you feel about that. I don't really know if you consider your season a success. If you don't consider it a, a success, you did lose Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to Arsenal halfway through the season, but then you also did get Michi Batshuayi from Chelsea, who played some really awesome football for you guys. So if you're a Dortmund fan, you know, send me an email and let me know. Let's talk about it. how do you feel your your season was. Was it successful, or do you guys consider it not a successful season? So that that's what happened with that, with those uh, two coaches. The other two interesting things are, like I mentioned before, Dominico Tedesco, who is 33 years old and and uh, coached Schalke to a second place finish in the Bundesliga. And then we have Julian Engelsmann from Hoffenheim, at 30 years old, coached. Hoffenheim to a third-place finish in the Bundesliga and a Champions League spot. So I really give a tip of the hat to those two guys and to those two teams. To do that at a, such a young age where many people would consider you inexperienced is very impressive and very noteworthy. So congratulations to Tedesco and to Nagelsmann on your successes last season. The next interesting coaching situation comes in with Bayern Munich and Carlo Ancelotti. So the previous season, Carlo Ancelotti uh, won the Bundesliga with us for the fifth time, 
and then got us into Champions League. 2017-18 season starts, and Bayern loses 3-0 to PSG in the Champions League game. And a few days later, the administration, the front office, fires Ancelotti. Um, now, the reason for this, in my opinion, is because Bayern pretty much runs away with the league every year, so that is no longer like a goal for uh, Bayern fans. It's no longer a goal for the organization. Um, they really want to focus on Champions League and European victory and glory. You know, back like the 2012 and 13 seasons where we made the Champions League final two seasons in a row. We wanted to get back to those days. We were, you know, getting sick and tired of getting eliminated in the semifinals like we did the previous year with Real Madrid. So we brought back in Jupp Heynckes, who coached us to treble in the 2013 season. So we brought him back with hopes of guiding the team, steering the team into a team that could be a Champions League winning team. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, Bayern did not win the Champions League. They were eliminated once again by Real in the semis as is becoming a running theme. But he did his job. He got us a sixth consecutive Bundesliga title and a second retirement, and hopefully last. Hopefully he can retire in peace and not have to be called on again. And lastly comes the story of replacing Eupankas. So when we hired Eupankas, we knew that it was essentially a commitment to the end of the season and that we would need to hire a new coach by the end of the season. So as the tail end of the season approaches, the rumor mill start going and who's going to be our next coach. Thomas Tuchel's name came up since he had left Dortmund the previous year and already spoke German and was familiar with the German league. His name was in contention. But in the end, Nico Kovac actually won out, the coach of Eintracht Frankfurt. And for me, this actually kind of came out of left field. I wasn't really you know, focusing on, on Frankfurt that much and didn't know much about them. So I was kind of apprehensive about it until um, it comes time to play the German Pokal final, the German Domestic Cup final. And the two teams there are Bayern Munich and Eintracht Frankfurt. So it's essentially kind of like a job interview for Niko Kovac playing against the team that he's already announced he's going to join in the next season in the finals of the German Domestic Cup. Bayern was obviously the favorites to win, but contrary to what everyone thought, um, Niko Kovac was able to coach his team to a victory in that Pokal final. And watching that game, obviously I was frustrated, but I was also very happy for the future to see that we are getting a coach who can take players and coach them to a victory against the Giants that are Bayern Munich and successfully um, overcome that hurdle and win uh, the German Domestic Cup with a mid-tier uh, Bundesliga team to defeat the powerhouse that is Bayern Munich. So I think it was a great audition and um, was very excited to, for him to start and to see what he was going to do with us next season. So those are all the interesting coaching stories there. You have coaches switching teams, you have coaches getting fired, um, you have all those crazy scenarios I mentioned. And one thing I haven't uh, talked about yet is actually the bottom of the table. So Peter Stroger, Coach Cologne, they had a really crappy start to the beginning of the season. Second half wasn't much better and they ended up dead last, got relegated. Now the team right above them was Hamburg, who had been in the Bundesliga for 55 years, the longest 
stint in the Bundesliga of any team in the Bundesliga history. They were one of the originals, which even Bayern Munich wasn't one of the originals, and even Bayern Munich had not spent 55 years at the top tier of German soccer. Uh, Hamburg was, I think, the last remaining club to from the originals to have never been relegated or promoted. To, they've stayed their entire history in the first tier. Last match day comes around. They actually win the match, but because of other teams getting points on the last match day, they still finished in a relegation spot, and that was the end of their season. That was the end of their 55-year run in the Bundesliga, and oh boy were the fans upset. When the final whistle blew, there were flares and fires on the field. They had to bring out riot police. I'll, I'll link all the, the videos below for you guys to watch, but they had to bring out riot police on horses and, and all kinds of security to kind of protect the players. The players you could see were crying and emotional upset. They had let their fans down. They had let their heritage and, and the team down and were relegated down to the, to the second Bundesliga for the first time in the team's entire history. So you could really see that emotion on, on the uh, fans' faces, on the players' faces. There was a mix of sadness, a mix of anger, obviously with the, with the riot police out and with the flares and fires on the pitch. There was anger and rage in a lot of people. But as blunt as this is, they kind of needed to go down. Hamburg was not in a good spot. The team was barely finishing above relegation for the past few seasons, and they really needed their front office to get a kick in the face and to have something as bad as this happened to them for them to realize they need to restructure, reorganize, rethink their, their game plan and kind of start from square one so that they could hopefully in the future come back up and be more competitive than they had been playing in the last couple of seasons. So hopefully everything works out well for them. Hopefully they get promoted back soon and um, can continue playing some exciting Bundesliga soccer. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is actually the use of VAR in the 2017-18 season. It was the first year that it was implemented, and there were good moments, there were bad moments, there were hilarious moments. But in general, I think that it was a positive addition it made for more fair football. It made for a scenario where fans can't get mad at each other for a blown call, a missed call, an offsides goal, a card not given, a penalty not given. All these things are kind of eliminated with VAR and makes banter amongst fans a lot more interesting because it really does come down to who the better team was, who played better, who scored the goals, as opposed to, you know, your team won because of an offsides goal that wasn't called or or your team won because there was a a penalty given that wasn't a penalty and all those kinds of incidents so that it takes all that out the window and creates some really it, it creates an atmosphere where human error is no longer an issue because it can be reviewed and it can be overturned if there is a glaring mistake which nine times out of ten is how it works now, were there issues and, and mistakes made by uh, the VAR system and referees? Of course, but um, you know you have to work out all the, the ticks in any kind of new system you implement. So here are some of the more interesting VAR incidents of last season. The very, very first use of VAR in Bundesliga history was actually on the very first match of that Bundesliga season. It was Bayern Munich versus Bayer Leverkusen. And Charles Arangis 
fouled Lewandowski in the box. It was missed by the referee, he didn't call it. And then with VAR, uh, the officials let him know in his ear that there was a foul in the box that he missed. He went with their word and awarded the penalty to Lewandowski, and that was his first goal of the season. That was the first use of VAR. It got the call correct, and the referee made a mistake, didn't notice it. So there could have been an argument there between Leverkusen fans and Bayern fans about, oh, we should have had a penalty, but you know we didn't get it, and this should, the score should have been this. But that's no longer an issue. The referee missed it, but was able to make the correct call anyway, thanks to VAR. The second incident I want to talk about is actually uh, an incident that didn't benefit Bayern, but was still pretty important. Bayern was playing against Eintracht Frankfurt, and Frankfurt was actually awarded a red card, uh, and one of the players was sent off. And then actually the VAR refs got in the referee's ear and let him know that they were reviewing the play after the referee himself went to the sideline to a TV monitor and was able to watch replays and actually had to call the Eintracht Frankfurt player back out of the locker room, give him a yellow instead of a red, and he was able to finish the game. So there's another incident where the team could have went down a player, lost confidence, and let in a lot more goals, but because of VAR, he was actually able to finish the game with only a yellow. So that's a, a great use of it right there. You know, like I said, not all the uses are always great. Sometimes there are hilarious uses or, or it doesn't go as smoothly as anticipated, and that happened as well. There was a match between uh, Mainz and Freiburg where right before halftime, there was a handball that wasn't called, but the referee didn't notice it, blows the whistle, players go into the tunnel. You know, some of them made it back to the locker room and were there for halftime. The referee, through review, actually finds out that there was a handball and calls both teams out of the tunnel, out of the locker room, back onto the field, awards a penalty, which was scored, and then the halftime score went from 0-0 to 1-0 during halftime, which was pretty insane. Um, it was a whole long, drawn-out process. There was confusion everywhere. It wasn't really well communicated, but it technically was the correct call. It just wasn't implemented properly. So you have moments like that where even when things go right, it's still weird or odd or kind of disrupts the flow of things and no one really knows what's happening. But overall, I do think that VAR was used very well last season, and I hope it continues on for future years. So the last thing I want to talk about is just some of my favorite moments of the year. So the previous season, the Bundesliga Golden Boot Race came down to the last match day with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Lewandowski being pretty much neck and neck coming into last match day. I believe Lewandowski was at 30 and Aubameyang was at 28 or 29. Aubameyang ended up scoring two goals that day and going up to 31. And even though Bayern won five to four against RB Leipzig, Lewandowski didn't get any of those five goals and he ended at 30. So Aubameyang actually beat out Lewandowski on the last match day. But this year, uh, the 17-18 season, Aubameyang left halfway through the season to go to Arsenal and kind of dropped the, the, the race uh, against Lewandowski. So Lewandowski was able to win the Golden Boot with 29 goals on, the, on this season. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang still came in third or fourth, I think, with 13 goals, even though he was gone for half the season. Next comes uh, Bayern's yearly thrashing of Hamburg. We won the game 
zero, I believe. It's whenever Hamburg comes to play at the Allianz Arena, they have the worst luck. I believe the um, over the last six or seven years, if you look at the goal differential, it's something like 44 to four or 44 to three, which, like I mentioned before, the whole story about Hamburg getting relegated and not being in good shape. If you're losing 6-0 to any Bundesliga team, there's probably kind of issue going on in your organization that you need to fix. But that was one of my favorite moments of the season was putting six goals up against Hamburg. And then by far my favorite incident, my favorite moment of last season was the Riviera Derby between Schalke and Dortmund. Holy crap, if you guys have not seen this match, check the link in the below. I'll leave some of the highlights. This was my match of the year for European soccer. And I'll put that up against La Liga, against Premier League, against League One, against Serie A. This is the game of the year. First 20 minutes, Dortmund goes up 4-0. The score at the end of 90 minutes plus 7 minutes of stoppage time is 4-4. Dortmund gave up a 4-0 lead to Schalke, and Schalke scored the tying fourth goal in stoppage time of the second half with a header by Naldo. If you guys want to see atmosphere, if you guys want to see excitement, energy, passion from players, passion from the crowd, and just a fun football game beginning to end, Watch this match. The Riviera Derby, Dortmund vs. Schalke, 4-4 tie. That was an amazing match, and that was probably my favorite moment of the whole season. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was episode 2, a recap of the 17 and 18 season. I will see you guys in the next episode 3. Have a great day. <laughs>